Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza on this live broadcast from Washington. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Monday, February 19, 2024. A lawmaker in South Sudan has challenged the country's Minister of Finance to provide evidence that the government is broke. If the minister is coming back now to say that, that the country does not have resources, he's supposed to call the Auditor General to audit all the accounts of government, all the amount received from different sources, to present the accounts of the, of the government to the parliament to prove his point. And authorities in central Equatorial state praise local tourists for boosting trade. Some of them can come and have their lunch in Terkeka and go back after one hour for and resume their work. So its vicinity also helps the area to be one of the places that people come for weekend and for their social visits and other things. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Some South Sudanese lawmakers are refuting a statement by the Minister of Finance saying the government has no resources to sustain a 400% civil servant salary increase approved in the 2023-2024 budget. A lawmaker from Lake State says the minister should continue paying salaries according to the approved increment. For VOA News, Viola Elias has more from Juba. Barnaba Bakchol, South Sudan Minister of Finance, was quoted last week by local media houses as saying the government has run out of funds to sustain the current physical year budget. Bakchol Nyamunjek, a lawmaker representing the SPLMIO in the national parliament, says the finance minister should present evidence to prove the claim. He says the minister was aware of ways to mobilize resources before he presented the budget to the parliament for its approval. When the parliament passed the budget, we, we believe that the minister exactly knows where to get the money. And at the same time, we believe that if the minister is coming back now to say that, that the country does not have resources, he's supposed to call the auditor general to audit all the accounts of government, all the amount received from different sources, to present the accounts of the, of the government to the parliament to prove his point. That is when we can agree with. Last year, parliamentarians from the Sudan People Liberation Movement in opposition, or SPLMIO, walked out of parliament after their demand of 600 salary increments in the 2023-2024 budget was rejected. Nyamunjek says the Minister of Finance should explain how the country's resources are used. He says South Sudan collects oil and non-oil revenues to sustain and deliver services to people, and the government receives loans and donations to complement its revenue streams. The minister should not play with our mind. We believe there is money, as we know. Not only believe there are, there are several indications that country has a lot of money. The minister is wrong to tell us, and he was the one who said that 400% is what he can afford. Where has the money gone? Because he was the one who shoot that figure by retaining the parliament from 600 to 400. So the minister is wrong, and his statement is wrong, and we cannot agree. It's just... Samuel Loti, another lawmaker in the national parliament representing Torrid County, says the 2023-2024 budget was based on the government availability of resources. Loti says the previous minister had been transparent about revenue collected from non-oil sectors across the country. His predecessor 
had been reporting to the public every 15 days how much has been collected. And we know most of the non-oil revenue has been deposited every 15 days to the single treasury account. And as parliament, we used to track and know how much was actually being collected monthly. Unfortunately, since this minister came in, we have never had one single day that he reported the collections to to the single treasury account of the government. So leave alone the oil revenue that we have, that have been uh, completely a secret of either the minister or some few individuals that he is working with. Ahmed Morjan, an economic analyst and a senior lecturer at the University of Juba says the finance minister's statement angered some civil servants amid the worsening economic situation. Morjan says the 400% increment came as a relief to civil servants who waited for four months to receive their salaries. Statement by the minister, making it again worse. By the way, this is a real confirmation, which was very worrying to the people and the civil servants. We believe that, okay, their pay is going to increase and maybe their livelihood is going to improve because of the financial benefits that they may be getting. But now this will be really demoralizing for them and it doesn't sound well. This program reached out to the Minister of Finance Media Department for response, but we were told the minister would draft a press release to clarify his statement, which has yet to be made public. For VOA News, I am Viola Elias in Juba. Still on money matters in South Sudan, some young South Sudanese entrepreneurs are complaining about the rise of the U.S. dollar against the local currency. One local entrepreneur says it is not easy operating a business in the capital due to several reasons. For VOA News, Juliana Shiapai has more from Juba. South Sudanese entrepreneurs say the South Sudan pound is losing to the U.S. dollars at an alarming rate, making it hard for them to carry out transactions with the local currency. Humuara Sandi is the owner of Haas, an online boutique for women's shoes and handbags. She says operating an online store in Juba is expensive due to the cost of buying internet data and transportations. And then another challenge is the Forex. Every morning when I post good morning on my Instagram, Facebook and TikTok pages, the next post is the debt and the Forex exchange rate. Monday will be $1 is equivalent to, uh, to, to 1290 Tuesday will be $1 is equivalent to 1300 The only reason I update the, um, the, the exchange rate is because I change money every evening. So as soon as I make my sales, I take all the SSP and change directly to two dollar because it's not liquid keeping SSP. One dollar one SSP is not the same as yesterday and it won't be the same as today. So it's a big challenge. James Madol Madol owns the Royal Trust's microfinancial services, which operates in Juba, Wau, and Kwajok. Madol is pursuing his postgraduate degree at an Indian-based Vignan University of Science, Technology, and Research. He says his research is focused on the impact of the South Sudanese pound devaluation of small and medium enterprises in Juba. Madol says... The dollar will continue to dominate markets in South Sudan. Especially everyone is struggling to buy dollars and keep his or her money in a dollar form. Simple because tomorrow if you want to go and buy, you can exchange. Uh, was, the, was the day exchange rate and then you can buy the commodity that you want to buy and then you go and sell it. So generally it is a, it is a big, big, big issue that is happening uh, in, in Juba as well as in other parts uh, of South Sudan.
Estella Malik, founder of Aramawir Organics, a company that makes organic shea butter. She says access to the international market remains a challenge in South Sudan. Malik says she will continue to look for the options to export her products. When we try to export internationally, one of the biggest challenges has been that some of the international logistic companies in the country do not take shea butter, um, do not export shea butter. Uh, one of the reasons that they give is the fact that the country is sanctioned. Um, the other thing that we really struggle with is the expense, uh, because South Sudan is generally expensive. The cost of living is generally expensive. And we are expected to match the global standards and pricing levels of shea butter. And I think that's one of the main challenges that we also encounter. The Central Bank of South Sudan used to update the, the currency rate on its Twitter, now known as X, but stopped doing so since February 8th. The exchange rate for $1 in Juba today is 1,450 South Sudanese pounds. This program tried to speak to a number of economic analysts in Juba, but all of them declined to comment about the local currency devaluations. For VOA News, I am Juliana Shiapai in Juba. Some residents of Terekeka County in central Equatoria state say local tourism has boosted their businesses due to the area's relative peace and disarmament exercise. Some of the residents say they can now sleep peacefully and travel without difficulties. For VOA News, Dennis Lowing traveled to Terekeka and reports for VOA from Juba. More local tourists coming from South Sudan's capital, Juba, have boosted business activity in Terekeka town. Some residents attribute the town's relative tranquility to peace initiatives carried out by local traditional leaders. Philip Ladu Jembeke, a former chairperson of the Impact Response Committee, a body that works to bring together different conflicting sections of the Mundari community, say other factors have also contributed to the increased traffic around Terekeka town. People are able to reconcile that we have conducive environment for people to come to Terekeka. This accessibility of the area because of the road. Uh, the road is accessible. You can just drive for one hour from Juba to Terkeka. People find it simple for them. Some of them can come and have their lunch in Terkeka and go back after one hour for, and resume their work. So its vicinity also helps the area to be one of the places that people come for weekend and for their social visits and other things. The fourth is the river where there is a lot of fish being supplied. Of course, Terkeka is one of the areas that is supplying Juba with fish. And of course, people feel like they should come and enjoy in Terkeka. So all this is because of his intercaker. Under a big tree on the banks of the River Nile and various businesses serving customers such as tea and shisha kiosks, fish stalls and restaurants. Grace Keji, who owns a mini restaurant, says the booming business in Terekeka town has caused some friction among women who compete for customers and job opportunities. Every Saturday, there are a lot of quarrels. Women are fighting for spaces. The space is not enough. We are many. We are about 13 in this place. This place was empty before, but one person was the one who started slowly and we all came in. Now the challenge is if I come early then someone will ask to share but when she comes next weekend the person will want to own the whole place. If you speak she will fight you. Jacqueline Paya, another restaurant owner operating along the banks of River Nile says population growth in Terekeka town has led to price hikes of fish as demand exceeds supply. When they constructed the road to we started seeing people coming to the riverside with their cars and sitting at the roadside. We thought of trying to do something small, and for sure we tried and they are eating. This is the reason why we are here. One fish costs 3,000 SSP. If you include other spices, that 
that's why we sell one fish at 5,000 SSP. From the 20,000 SSP or 30,000 SSP profit, I can divide some for food for my children. The rest you save small, small to accumulate so that my children will go to school. Lokung Joseph, a motorboat operator, says he earns a good living, especially on weekends, adding that most of his customers book for a ride in advance. He says he charges 20,000 to 25,000 South Sudanese pounds per trip for groups of people. Sometimes when there's work, you could get about five trips because it can't be your own boat to work alone. Sometimes when it's your day, you could move five times. You know, we are working two days in the week. But if you get some people who have come on Monday by accident and want to roam around, sometimes when there is a big event, that's when you can see many people. You could even move eight or ten trips. A road trip from Juba to Terekeka used to take three hours before the road was constructed. Now it takes an hour to drive from the capital to the town. Musician Rasta Jimmy, also known as Masura, is a frequent visitor to Terekeka town. He says he comes to relax and get some peace of mind. So I'm here in Terekeka just uh, a weekend come and refresh my mind and also like as you guys know outside there Terekeka is a cool place where people come and pass time you know, being from started working from Monday to Friday you know, Saturday you put also for to enjoy yourself and you and your friends and something like that. You know eating fish also uh, is something like uh, we don't get it much or more like what, what I'm seeing here right now Terekeka County Executive Director Galdino Wanilaku says Terekeka is peaceful. He notes that all these new visitors are bringing additional revenue to the government. Since added after the disarmament of the civilian, we don't have an internal or intercommunal inter- pipes or stealing of kettles or any small problem or big problems that are happening. If there are some problems, there are very small, small, petty problems. So the situation is perfect. In 2021, a three-day peace and reconciliation conference held in Terekeka County ended with calls for peace. Participants at the conference, including Kato camp leaders, signed resolutions to end intercommunal violence. For VOA News, I'm Dennis Logonyi reporting from Juba. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Coming up, Africa will witness elections in many countries this year. But will the countries hold polls? Stay tuned for an answer after the break. Hello, listener of South Sudan in Focus. We have an exciting new segment dubbed Words of Wisdom. We want to hear your thoughtful proverbs that echo through your community. This is another chance for you to share wisdom from your roots. All you need to do is record a proverb in a language of your choice, tell us its English translation and what it means. Keep it brief, authentic, and represent your community. Your recorded proverb shall be sampled on South Sudan in Focus every Wednesday. Send your recording via our WhatsApp number, plus one, two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That is plus one, two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. 
2024 will be a busy year for elections in Africa, with nearly 20 countries, including South Sudan, scheduled to hold presidential or general elections. As VOA's Nairobi Bureau Chief Mariama Diallo reports, democratic process is not off to a good start, as two countries have already postponed elections and another has re-elected a former military ruler for the fourth time. The small island nation of Comoros was the first African country to hold presidential elections in 2024. Incumbent President Azali Asumani, a former military officer who first came to power in a coup in 1999, won a fourth term. Election results were immediately rejected by the opposition, triggering violent protests that killed one and injured 25. Next on the list was supposed to be Mali, followed by Senegal. But elections were postponed in both countries. Mali is ruled by a military junta that overthrew a democratically elected government in 2020. Edgar Githua of the United States International University Africa says that elections may not take place in Sahel countries that have recently experienced coups. Burkina Faso, Mali, Niger have promised to in a transition they will not transit. All these military hunters are trained military soldiers. They do not know how to govern. The learning curve for them to learn how to govern is too long. Earlier this month, Senegalese President Macky Sall announced that elections will be delayed due to allegations of corruption in election-related cases and the disqualification of some leading candidates. Some in the opposition have called the delay a constitutional coup, though in July, Sall said he would not seek a third term after deadly clashes protesting his possible run for another term. But Lloyd Kuvea of the University of Pretoria Law School in South Africa told VOA, it seems like Saul wants to stay a little longer. Can we really trust Maki Saul? Especially after everybody knows that he had intentions for going for a third term. And uh, if, it hadn't, if it hadn't been for the protests of the people of, of, of Senegal, I, I am quite sure that uh, you know he would have uh, gone ahead to change the constitution. On Thursday, Senegal's top election authority, the Constitutional Council, ruled that postponing the elections was unconstitutional. In East Africa, Rwanda has had the same president since 2000. Rwanda is the paradox of Africa. Paradox of Africa because the Rwandese themselves are afraid to talk about their own election. If you have a vote where 98% of the population vote for one candidate, that is a red flag. Nobody is that popular in this world. Githuwa says Paul Kagame will once again win the elections with over 90% of the vote in his favor. But he's more worried about the post-Kagame era. Rwandese democracy is not mature because we've had some very negative experiences of past leaders who've tried to run against Kagame. The system kind of muzzles them. In South Africa, the African National Congress has been governing since 1994 when Nelson Mandela was elected president following the end of apartheid in the early 1990s. But there may not be business as usual, Kuvea says. The ANC will win the election, but not with an outright majority. It will be below 50, and therefore uh, the African National Congress itself must brace for coalition politics, although they are saying there will never be a coalition. Um, You know, they are going to win outright. He notes that allegations of corruption 
Scandals and disunity within the ANC are already helping the opposition, including the Economic Freedom Fighters Party, led by Julius Malema, a former ANC youth leader. Mariama Jalo, VOA News, Nairobi. From Nairobi, we go to Moscow, where Russian authorities are detaining people mourning the loss of opposition leader Alexei Navalny, who died in a custody at an Arctic Circle penal colony last week. Western leaders have blamed Russia. VOA's Arish Arabsati has more. In St. Petersburg, men removed flowers from a makeshift memorial honoring dead Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Almost immediately, new flowers took their place. Just one day earlier, police detained mourners for laying flowers in Navalny's honor. Independent Russian media and human rights group OVD Info reported no fewer than 400 detentions at events across some 32 cities after news of Navalny's death broke late last week. Navalny had been a longtime critic broadly of the Kremlin and specifically of Russian President Vladimir Putin. In December 2020, he accused Russia's security agency, the FSB, of poisoning him with a confirmed Russian-made nerve agent. Russia officially blames Navalny's death on an undisclosed illness at the Arctic penal colony where he was serving a 19-year sentence. Western leaders aren't buying it. Make no mistake, Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. Putin is responsible. What has happened to Navalny is yet more proof of Putin's brutality. No one should be fooled, not in Russia, not at home, not anywhere in the world. The news of Navalny's death came less than one week after former President Donald Trump told supporters at a rally that if re-elected, he would encourage Russia to do, quote, whatever the hell they want to NATO members he felt weren't spending enough money on defense. Trump remains the Republican Party's front-runner to challenge Biden for the presidency in November. As of this writing, he has yet to comment on Navalny. When you hear Donald Trump say in South Carolina a week ago that he would encourage Putin to invade our allies if they weren't pulling their weight, that's bone-chilling. Because all he did in that one moment was empower Putin. And all he did in that moment was he sided with a guy that kills his political opponents. He sided with a thug that arrests American journalists and holds them hostage. And he sided with a guy who wanted to make a point to the Russian people, don't challenge me in the next election or this will happen to you too. At a recent meeting in Munich, foreign ministers from the group of seven leading industrialized nations observed a minute of silence in memory of Navalny. On the sidelines of the meeting, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen offered condolences to Navalny's widow, Yulia Navalnaya. And as protesters left flowers and notes near the Russian embassy in London, people in Moscow did the same, calling Navalny a hero who fought for freedom. Arash Arabasadi, VOA News. Hello, listener of South Sudan in Focus. We have an exciting new segment dubbed Words of Wisdom. We want to hear your thoughtful proverbs that echo through your community. This is another chance for you to share wisdom from your roots. All you need to do is record a proverb in a language of your choice, tell us its English translation and what it means. Keep it brief, authentic, and represent your community. Your recorded proverb shall be sampled on South Sudan in Focus every Wednesday. 
send your recording via our WhatsApp number plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That is plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That's all we prepared for you this Monday, February 19, 2024, which is a public holiday here in the United States. It's the President's Day. We now leave you with Colonel Mido and the song Mama Ama. Listening to Colonel Mido and the song Mama Ama. I'm your host, John Tanza, on this live broadcast from Studio 14 here in Washington. On behalf of our producer, Kwame Ofori, and engineer Kang, we wish you a lovely evening. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Editorial, reflecting American ideals and institutions. On the third Monday in February, Americans celebrate President's Day. Today, the commemoration recognizes every president, past and present, in particular, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, whose birthdays fall just 10 days apart. February 22nd for Washington and the 10th for Lincoln. However, the initial celebrations and subsequently the official recognition of the holiday in 1971 have never changed the name of Washington's birthday to President's Day, nor does it also celebrate Lincoln. It is, as it always has been, a day of thanks and recognition of the country's first president, George Washington. George Washington led the rebel army that won the country's independence from the British crown. He was immensely popular. 
The first documented celebration of his birthday was in 1778 at the Rebel Army's winter camp in Valley Forge, not far from the city of Philadelphia. Back then, a contingent of drummers and fifers gave a musical birthday performance in front of his quarters. Washington later said that the celebration began as a snub to King George. Washington was not someone who sought to be feted and celebrated, but he understood the necessity of a unifying persona, an individual that could rally the population and inspire to work together for the good of the new country. Americans celebrated Washington's birthday informally in the years after his death in 1799. February became a national holiday in 1879, and a law moving the celebration to the third Monday in February went into effect in 1971. Washington set the precedent for all those who followed him in the country's highest office. He put the nation on a sound financial footing and led the young United States of America through the initial labor pains that quickly gave birth to a stable, democratic, and lawful government. By leaving office voluntarily after two four-year terms and by ensuring the peaceful transfer of power to the leader elected to succeed him, George Washington set an important precedent for all future presidents. That was an editorial reflecting American ideals and institutions. 